This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Today, we have my good friend, Mr. David Watson from South Carolina, and we're going to talk about insurance and technology and insurance technology. So before we get cracking, David, tell them who you are, where you came from, how you got to where you're at. Yeah, so uh, I've been in the insurance industry for uh, about 10 years now. Um, Started out on the dark side, being in the captive world. I always joke that if I was still working for somebody else that I have a terrible resume because I jumped around from State Farm, Allstate, and uh, Farm Bureau before opening up my own independent agency in 2016 and uh, was acquired, merged with uh, Mappus Insurance with Andrew Muller and Griffin Morrow in Charleston, South Carolina in 2018 and uh, been a partner over there ever since and Uh, One thing that I've always done uh, and always been really interested in is technology, but then also technology in the insurance space. And it's something that has always uh, really fascinated me and something that I've always tried to leverage to enhance the customer relationship. Cool deal. So talk a little bit about your agency experience. Are you heavy in personal lines, commercial lines? Where have you sort of cast your lot over the course of your career? I mean, I would imagine heavy personal lines because of your captive background, but I do know that Farm Bureau and Allstate stick their toe a little bit into the commercial waters, and and I don't really know much about Mappas at all. I know you you post pictures of really awesome houses that you insure, and I'm (laughs) like, man, I'd really like to live in that place all, all the time. Like every week on Facebook, there's another really cool property you post. Yeah. So the funny thing about that, before I answer your question there is you would not believe, well, actually you probably would because you post all the time of people sending you messages on LinkedIn where they obviously don't read what you do. But, uh, about every other week I have a realtor (laughs) or a real estate brokerage reach out to me, asking me to move my, uh, license over to them to sell real estate for them. When I've never sold real estate, they just look at the pretty pictures and they assume that I'm selling those houses. But that's uh, awesome. hey, that's free networking yes. opportunity for you, man. You don't even have to join BNI; they're coming to you. I'd be exactly, every single one of those realtors is referral partners. Absolutely, but uh, yeah. So uh, Mappus Insurance as a whole, we're about eighty-five percent personal lines, fifteen uh, percent uh, commercial lines. Uh, we're coastal uh, located, uh, so we're similar 
to to uh, all those Florida agencies. But so we do a lot of ENS. Um, but on the commercial side, we do a lot of um, uh, property insurance, and that's what I focus on. So. Uh, I do most of the prop or commercial insurance inside of the agency, so I kind of have a well uh, well versed uh, background uh, over the last couple of years with that. But uh, we are predominantly personal lines, and that's where I've definitely uh, hung my hat. And the property where, stuff where are you in South like, Carolina? Uh, we are in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Okay, gotcha. Which is Charleston area, right? That's exactly. a cool spot, got, man. Char- Charleston's good. It weekend. Is. It's a good weekend trip. Yeah, it's it's really nice because one, we we get a lot of agents who come visit, but then also it's a it's a popular moving spot nowadays, so we get a, mm-hmm. a lot of referral business as well, which is uh, from other agents. So that's definitely a plus. My grandma lived there for a while. It's it definitely a cool spot. There's a lot to do. Um, yeah, like Fort, Fort Sumter is really cool. But anyhow, what to, I was going to ask, what you know, you were you were in the captive world. What led you to transition? Was there some sort of realization or uh, an event that happened, or was it something you had planned all along? So the really funny thing is when I started working for State Farm, uh, they identified me pretty early for their agency aspirant program. Uh, basically, if you don't have a State Farm background or know their language, that's, hey, we want you to open up a, a State Farm agency at some point. And the funny part about that is the fact that at that time, I turned them down because I had no interest in owning a business, which is hilarious mm-hmm. now that I'm uh, in ownership of two businesses. But uh, <laughs> I... So basically, uh, went from there, tried the corporate route, uh, didn't even mention earlier that I was selling life insurance for TD Bank for a little bit, um, but then decided to get back into the PNC, uh, jumped from Allstate to uh, Farm Bureau, and that's when I first got my a little bit of a taste of running my own business. Uh, I was a 1099 contractor for them, so kind of got the idea of uh, keeping up with taxes, write-offs, things like that, and uh, it eventually just got to the point where I was fed up of... I was generating good uh, referral sources, leads, uh, using technology to develop those. and But I was having to send them out to uh, my buddies down the street because I, I, I just couldn't write the business because we weren't competitive. And so it just got to the point where um, I decided instead of my 10-year plan, if, uh, if I wasn't an agency manager at Farm Bureau, was to then go over to the independent world. But I said, why wait? Why wait until my kids were old enough to not to know that we didn't have any money for starting over uh, and decide that, hey, let's do it now while they're young and uh, get going with it. So that's what happened in 2016 when I joined uh, an aggregator and uh, uh, got started. Nice. So I have a question. We haven't asked this one in a while, but Kyle and I both have had a lot of experience in non-insurance related sales jobs. Have you ever mm. sold anything else outside of insurance, like when you were younger that sort of cut your teeth and helped you get uh, the experience to make you successful in the insurance piece? So I, I literally uh, I got, got married at 20, and my father-in-law said, hey, Ooh. you need a full-time job if you're going to marry my daughter. And so at the time, I was working in food, <laughs> re- our food uh, at Chick-fil-A. So I went from uh, a manager over at Chick-fil-A to uh, handing out my resume to uh, 30 plus uh, captive agents. And I only had one that uh, was willing to hire me. So started at a, a nice little salary of $16,000 a year and uh, uh, 10% commission. 
of the agency revenue, 10% commission in uh, 20, 2012. And so I went straight from food over to, um, over to insurance. I had, I did have one Allstate agent that I interviewed with said, Hey, before you do this, you need to go sell cars before I hire, I hire you. And, uh, so hmm. the short, short answer to your question is no, I've not sold anything, uh, directly, uh, other than insurance. I, That's interesting. I, did I did he give any explanation on why you needed to sell cars specifically? Because <laughs> I, I, I mean, that's an interesting. A, a lot of times, you know, there's a correlation between you know people thinking about the old insurance agent yeah. and what they look like and represent in a in a used car salesman. I th- I think the his reasoning behind it was because he was heavy heavy internet leads and just. His reasoning was if you can make it in the uh, car sales world, then you can make it through internet uh, leads. Um, The funny thing is uh, we mentioned, have you done any other type of sales? I I have been through uh, 22 vehicles in my driving life where I've uh, bought and sold vehicles. I don't know if you count that. Wow. Wow. That is a lot of vehicles. substantial (laughs) amount of vehicles. (laughs) Yeah, that's always a good... uh, a good party question is uh, when that it, it, is seen. <laughs> like if I can did remember Watson all of them. Drive today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my current my current one I've been in three years, so we cut we cut that uh, cut that out of my lifestyle. Man, that's like a that's like a lifetime yeah. for you. It, it, it's a weird feeling. <laughs> uh, wow. So the question. So the thing. The reason I asked that question is. I have found, and this is going to be really off the wall, but I'm trying to triangulate exactly where the recruiting geography for this is. An inordinate amount of people from Tennessee have sold books door to door. Like people that are in insurance. Books? Books. People that are insurance people now that I've talked to. There is like a very high likelihood that if you're from Tennessee and you're a producer, that at some point in your life, you sold books door to door. That is interesting. I don't even know. What what does that even mean? He just walks around with a cloak and opens up. He's got a bunch of books. Like, no, man. Like, I mean, I think like, they recruited what? him from, from like the Cutco people, man. They go to college campuses or whatever else. And you go around and sell educational <laughs> books to people. I mean, people used to sell encyclopedias door to door back in the day. So did Tennessee <laughs> just not have like Books a Million or any of those bookstores that made it to Tennessee? Is that is that why there are so many book know. salesperson? Sales I don't people? know. It's just they weird. can read in Tennessee, oh. but oh jeez, <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I can neither. I'm not, I take zero um, attribution for that particular comment. <laughs> we'll just leave that there. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. but the thing. Um, the thing is, these people are all successful in the insurance world now, so I think there's like a direct correlation. That's interesting. I'm just doing my research and trying to trying it to figure out. But I mean, um, let's talk about tech for a little bit, man. I mean, you you have a product, Risk Advisor, that I've had the pleasure of seeing, and I'm going to do my best to help you build. Um, you're going through beta right now, but you saw the a unique opportunity that you were able to solve based on things that were happening in your agency and in your experience. Before we get into what Risk Advisor does, talk a little bit about the problem first, because you know on our podcast, everything's about solving problems and not selling products. And there's nothing wrong with having a product if it solves a problem. But I think we need to set the table for everybody um, as to exactly what you're trying to do, because I don't think if we do that the right way, then what you're trying to accomplish isn't going to make sense to them. Absolutely. So 
really, so I came on board at Mappus in 2018 and, um, we, for the most part, I had just been selling, uh, personal lines, uh, inside the, away from the coast of the state. So most of everything I was doing was through a Raider. It was pretty simple. It was all price discussion. Um, it, that's just how it was. Uh, when I started selling coastal, um, homeowners insurance, it, it just kind of changed the game. Same thing with flood where, one, we were getting in front of a different clientele because basically everyone in uh, on the coast of South Carolina is considered high net worth based on what you have to make to live there. Right, yeah. And absolutely. so mm-hmm. um, something that we've always been focused on is is the value. So the value of doing business with our agency, the value of how we dive a little bit deeper. We're not one of those agencies where we we want to – just get, Hey, your name, date of birth and address. And let's get started with a quote and let's clean it up after the fact we want to get all the information on the front end. So that way, when we put a quote in front of you, it's good to go. It's ready, ready to move forward with. And we actually, um, were able to take that philosophy and start, uh, building our referral network with inside, uh, the loan officer and real estate game to where, they were setting us up instead of, Hey, this is, this guy's going to get you the cheapest quote, or this guy's going to get you the fastest quote. No, it was more, this one, this guy's going to get you the most valuable quote, the one that does the best for you. And the, our real estate uh, referral partners knew that we weren't always going to come in the cheapest, but we knew what we were doing. And so when I, when I came, uh, came on board, part of the reason that, um, Andrew and I developed a relationship was based on how I use technology and how, I used it to leverage and enhance the customer relationship instead of detracting from it. And when I came on board and started learning the processes, I, I just knew that there was going to be a better way to one work with uh, personal lines, wholesale brokers. We use uh, virtual assistants through marble box to do our data entry. Um, it was, it, there was no defined process on how to get that information to either one of them. Um, there was uh we had a one page PDF that, uh, answered a lot of the, a lot of the questions, but there were still times where you were having to pull out a, uh, a note sheet to write down additional information on the, uh, that came up. So really it was just, we were ahead of the curve from day one, but there was still so much room for improvement to, to really just make that, um, that process so much more streamlined. You know, I think that the, high net worth arena is probably the closest thing to commercial. And and I would say middle market commercial, not small commercial, because the buyer in high net worth is a buyer that's going to understand value much better. value, Yeah. Yeah. Whereas regular personal lines translates to small commercial. And part of it may be because these are the people that you're dealing with in the middle market. If you're dealing with somebody who owns a $50 million company or whatever else. But I mean, at the agency I started out in, we dealt with a significant number of high net worth um, individuals. I mean, we have six-figure personal lines. Premiums were not out of the ordinary on a regular basis. Um, and it's only grown from there, but I think it's, I think that that's a, a valid point in that, um, you know, sometimes I think people are scared to deal with high net worth individuals. And I think it's the same fear that people have of going into the middle market, right? They don't, they, they feel like it's more complex. They feel like, uh, I think they get intimidated because you're dealing with somebody who's rich, you know, and for whatever reason mm-hmm. that bothers them. Um, and it's a psychological game. It, in my mind, if you're if you're on your A game, 
all the time and you know what you're doing, why do you want to screw around with Main Street homeowners, right? Go after the high net worth stuff because even in that arena, you know, there's still average people. I mean, you know, I'm trying to frame my words the right way so it's not to offend, but I mean, there are people who try to do it and aren't good. And you still have a, as good of a chance as you do in the middle market. That's what we see all the time. And so, um, carry on, keep keep going, and let, let's let's keep diving into risk advisor. I just want to make that observation because I do think that there are people out there listening to this that are probably, you know, upset that they're continuously writing five hundred dollar a year homeowners premiums. And guess what, people? That's your fault. It's nobody else's fault. But Fish in yeah, a different I, pond, baby. Before yeah. before diving back into it, it it. I remember the maybe the first or second day that I joined the Slack channel of uh, of the sales team over at Mapis, and I was still working some of the um, referrals or the opportunities that I got from my website. And I remember showing them, it's like, hey, this is a brand new house. Uh, it's like a three hundred thousand dollar house, and uh, Progressive's about to write it for four hundred fifteen dollars a year. And just they were just baffled by that because low end, like the lowest premium that they were writing on the coast for a brand new construction house at that, that type is 1200, 1500 bucks. And it, it is just kind of, mm-hmm. again, just to reiterate what you said, it's all about the mindset. Um, my first year, um, I, I started off slow, a lot slower than we expected, um, or I expected. And that's just based off the fact that like, I was intimidated because I was talking to these people who own multi-million dollar homes or um, even the ones who were under a million dollars. It was just something that I never experienced. And until we started, until I started getting that um, mindset of like, Hey, I deserve uh, one of your role in uh, basically where you, you've already been qualified by the, the um, by the insured or the prospect because you're, you have the meeting, they want to talk to you um, until I got that, uh, drilled into my brain by myself, I, I just, it did not change. And then as soon as that happened, it was, uh, a light turned on and, um, it's been crazy the last couple of years, what we've been able to do. Um, but yeah, so getting back into the product. So, um, I, I've told people this several times on our demos and I still don't know if I've actually told him this. Um, so hopefully he's listening to this, but the, the idea for Risk Advisor uh, literally came from uh, Innovation Conference in 2019 in Vegas. Um, Adam Zerwinski was uh, doing a breakout session on uh, how to make memes for your Facebook page using uh, Google uh, and Document Studio. And as soon as... I remember. Yeah, I was, I as, was soon, in there. as soon as he said that, it just clicked in my brain. I was like, if you can do this with a picture and like making a meme, there's no reason you can't do a formatted PDF and make it really simple to send to uh, virtual assistants, uh, underwriters all at once. So that that right there is what started the journey of Risk Advisor to to try to solve these problems that have uh, um, plagued our industry, especially. Uh, whether it's high net worth or coastal um, um, or higher risk areas. Yeah, that was a good conference, man. I left it with a personal lines division. Thanks, Justin Sloan. Appreciate you <laughs> hanging out with me at the lunch table. That's my once a month plug for that. Um, yeah, I was going to say, man. But no, that's, I mean, I remember every... Adam's uh, Adam's presentation was really good. There were a lot of good ones that year. Steve Holly's on all of the stuff that he did with uh, the company Intranet and how his processes and everything were in place is still something that's a bit out of grasp in my particular firm, but we're looking to uh, implement at some point. I'm, I'm working hard now, man. I mean, we got a new 
team member that's going to do a great job of putting that stuff in place for us. But that's awesome. That one's still on my to do list. The internet. <laughs> yeah, you know we've got uh, we've got the ability to do it. We just haven't done it yet. And really, it's because we have to populate it by formalizing things. We went through a period of transition where we ebbed and flowed with with headcount, and uh, we've got the team locked at this point and loaded. So now it's a matter of just getting the the stuff formalized so that we can continue to scale because it'll be an absolute disaster if we don't have that stuff. I mean, yep. we're, we're, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna buy everybody a copy of uh, Traction and we're gonna go through that. I don't know if you've but, read it or not. I haven't. No. Yeah, it's a good book, and a lot of people that I know and respect very much, uh, Matt Namoli, Paradiso, and a few others have read it and implemented it into their agencies, and, well, their results speak for themselves. So There you go. You know, the the process part is where I'm weak. Um, you know, sales and marketing is not, and so as long as I can continue to find the right people to surround myself with and make the process part rock solid, then the sales will take care of itself. There's no issues there. 100%. So specifically, you know, you, you came up with this idea. Talk a little bit about what it's been like as you've built this thing, man. I mean, I, I saw that you were up late, well past my bedtime the other night, you know, and, and I had to laugh because you're there for moral support. That would be about where I'm at with David <laughs> Lefevre when he's doing our stuff in HubSpot. Yep. I can tell him what I want it to do, but I can't help him make it get done. Yeah, so uh, what started the the start of the process before the idea of risk advisor even got came into came into my mind was finding how to do this on my own without uh, dumping a lot of money into it. So uh, coming out of that conference, I started looking for um, a form maker where I could uh, manipulate it in a way that would work for what we needed. So. Um, I ended up going through 15 to 20 form makers before settling uh, with uh, JotForm uh, for the first risk advisor, what we called our risk profile um, version. And uh, it took me anywhere from 40 to 60 hours um, once I found JotForm to uh, do a little bit of coding. I know just a little bit of how to do it um, on the coding side, but then uh, building theirs out to um, to get to our first prototype, uh, no, a low code no, prototype for, uh, what's Mappus has been using for about the last 15 months now. And so that process started, uh, mid, mid 2019. And I introduced that low code, uh, prototype to our team in March of 2020 last year. So you introduce it to the team. How did they accept it? How did they? How how hard was it to get that adopted? So there inside the agency. Yeah. So um, there were a couple of producers who jumped straight on it. Um, they loved it from the from the get go. There, those were the ones that were a little bit more uh, set in wanting to uh, follow processes every single time. Um, there were a couple of producers that I had to stay on, uh, and make sure, uh, ask them why they weren't using it and, uh, remind them of why I built this for them. And they, they were like, oh, I, I know, I know I need to use it. It's just changing how I've been doing things by writing on a piece of paper and scanning it in and sending it to everybody. And, um, once, uh, once they were, those stragglers were finally, uh, finally adopted to it. Um, I, I think I still have it saved on my computer. Uh, he sent me a Slack message one day. And he's just like, first he apologized, then he just thanked me because he 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 it finally realized, man, <laughs> this is phenomenal, and uh, I am so sorry that it took me so long to adopt to this, but this has changed the game for us or changed the game for myself, and um, things like that are what eventually 
uh, birthed the idea of like, hey, maybe this maybe this isn't just for us. Maybe this is something that can change the game for um, independent agencies everywhere. How are so you? where are you now? I mean, are you guys yeah. you guys fully integrated at this point? Uh, talking about Mappus? Yeah. Yeah, so um, within the last 15 months, um, Mappus, uh, we have sent just over 2,200 submissions, um, which would could either be a home and or auto um, or a home auto and umbrella through the risk profile on uh, JotForm. Uh, so we've we've seen about 2,200 submissions come through, whether it's a uh, new business or our um, service team, and um, it's it's one of those things that we uh, pretty much have a 100% adoption rate inside of our agency of uh, 15 users. And um, it uh, my favorite is um, when uh, a service staff member comes to me and thanks me for it because um, when I first started out on this, I'm director of sales at our agency, and so. Um, everything I always imagined, everything that I decided to do with it was based purely off of, um, helping out my sales team. And the more in depth I've got with this, the more, once we started developing this for, um, for, uh, commercial access. And what I mean by that is selling it to other agencies. The thing I'm most excited about is the service, uh, servicing side of it because of how much it helps the service staff. That's cool. Go ahead, Kyle. I was going to ask, um, you know, what's been the biggest challenge, you know, going through that process for you, you know, kind of creating everything and implementing it. I'm sure there were a number of different roadblocks, but maybe you can just speak to one or two of them that you ran into that you had to overcome. Yeah. So the, the first roadblock was just figuring out which, which form maker to, to, um, to put on, mm-hmm. uh, or to build it on. And, um, there were, there were several, several ones where, um, I made good progress and then finally started talking to uh, the the sales team of that that product and come to find out oh yeah uh, based on how based on all the features you're using on this free trial it's gonna be a thousand dollars a month or something crazy like that um, after you finish building it and um, so that that was the one obstacle that definitely took some time to come over overcome but then uh, once I've uh, settled on jot form um, the biggest thing is, Every once in a while, it just fails, and what I mean by that is it it's an external form. So it, it if you had the link to it, anyone could access it. There's no login or anything like that, and so every once in a while, the system just gets overwhelmed. Um, whether it's from our agency or everybody using it, and the PDFs don't make make their way through. So I'm still having to log into our our one account to to go into the inbox to find those PDFs and give them to our um, our staff when that, when that occurs. Mm. Um, so it, it, it's just w- using a system where you're probably doing a little bit more than it's meant to be able to handle. And so there, there's times where those, those items fail or it's just not readily available for the staff. So, um, it's, it's small things like that. Um, but under the development side of it, um, when we're actually developing the app and have been developing the app, um, it's, it's trying to keep, uh, keep under the thought process of a, a minimal viable product and getting something, um, into the hands of agencies to get real feedback. Um, and I, I have all these ideas. I have a long Trello board of ideas that are going to be great things for agencies and users, but, um, just being reminded that, Hey, our core product is great and we need to focus on those core products to get, uh, to get, uh, to get started with and then uh, go from there. 
I would think another challenge would be that just because you think it's a great idea doesn't mean everybody else thinks it's a great idea. And yep. part of your challenge is getting them to understand why you think it's a great idea, right? I mean, yeah. I think, it, you know, in my experience of dealing with agents, getting them to adopt new technologies is like trying to turn a battleship on a dime, you know? Yeah. They're, they're, they're ingrained in their ways and, and it's difficult to get them to 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 adopt something new and put it into the mix. I mean, for crying out loud, we're looking at how many agencies out there that still don't even use a CRM system, you know, let yeah. alone other things. So, you know, how do you combat that? Yeah, so I was I was on a demo call the other day uh, with uh, with an agency, and uh, they they brought up it's like, yeah, I just I just don't know, I just don't think I can get my my agency staff to uh, to adopt this, and I don't think they'll listen to me on it. And I was just like trying to look past the way of like, okay, you're the agency owner. It it sounds like you're you're allowing them to have too much feedback into that that side of things, but. To answer your question, I mean, it, it definitely is something that I, I'm learning through. And um, one thing that you know, um, one thing that my clients often hear from me is I'm extremely transparent. And if I don't know something, I will tell you that. Um, I'm not going to try to uh, BS an answer, especially in the insurance world where that can get you in a lot of, a lot of trouble. Um, but the reason I bring that up is because uh, that, is, that is something that we're struggling through at the moment. Um, and we, we need... Um, we need users on the system to to understand that, hey, just because I think something's great, just because I think something's a great feature that has done wonders for our agency, that may may not be what every agency thinks. And uh, getting that feedback and learning how to sell a SaaS application instead of insurance um, is something that I'm learning through every day as well. Um, and learning something every time I'm on one of these demo calls is uh, figuring out, hey, I'm great at selling insurance. Now let me figure out how to sell um, and show you the value of this uh, SaaS application. Well, I'll tell you, man, you said exactly what I wanted you to say um, or was hoping that you would say, and that is that you got to have people actually try the product. I mean, yep. it's very, you know, anything technology wise, like if you're one of these people that like, I'm going to FAIA tomorrow. Okay, yep. I'm gonna spend the whole day at the exhibit hall, um, just really walking around, shaking hands, kissing babies and, and seeing people that I know from, all over the country that are coming as exhibitors, but then also some agent friends that are going to be there too. And my carrier partners, uh, because for whatever reason, it's easier for me to go all the way over to Orlando than it is for them to come to my office. Um, <laughs> just absolutely nuts. But anyhow, um, you know, I, it, it, I, I look at that and I look at the people that are there as vendors and I look at how many people get hyped up and I've seen this in innovation too, man. You know, you've got you've got the booth that with the people that are there to get you to come to the booth and then talk about what it is they do. And people get so amped up about this stuff that really a demo in many cases is a foregone conclusion. Like, I know I have to use this product. They told me how it's worked and it's doing all of this stuff. And I think part of the problem is people buying that way. Like, you know, yep. don't 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 make the buying process fast like. I, I make very quick decisions, okay? But I don't get to the point where I'm ready to make a decision unless I've done my research, right? So I'm going to I'm gonna be boom, boom, boom. Like last week, I bought a, an autonomous desk. 
I didn't even wake up in that morning thinking I was going to buy a new desk, but I have a problem. I have a problem with the fact that I can't stand and work at my desk. I've got a problem with too much surface space, so stuff tends to collect, which I'm trying to like declutter and actually make it look like I'm not running a Salvation Army out of my <laughs> office as opposed to, you know, actually having a clean office where I can move around and and you know, do my video content from different angles and everything. But I went on and I looked and I read a few reviews. You should do like an overhead view. Yeah. Just on the, of, the, of the top of your dome. One of the, of dome, the top dome of your cameras. Dome. Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. I'm going to have a full time. I'm going to be like Sandy Lyle in Along Came Polly. I'm going to have a full blown E True Hollywood Ice story man. crew following me around. White chocolate. <laughs> 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 yeah. By the way, one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time. Basically so underrated. Yeah, basically because I'm in the insurance industry. Don't yeah. come in here with your mambo moves and your Eric Estrada looks. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> so classic. I could go for days on that. Uh, Luben. Luben. <laughs> but anyhow, you know. Yeah, I did, I'm going to watch it tonight now. <laughs> I... um. I did my research. I go around, ask a few people, here's what it is. I've never used this product before, but I knew that I was going to do it. And once I made my mind up, it was done. Like, boom, yep. I went that quick. Um, but I, I think that a lot of times our peer group gets gets caught up in the hype. And one of the things I like about how you're rolling this out is you have the beta group. You're yep. giving the agents the opportunity to give feedback. They can actually use the product and in, in, in be engaged in it. Um, and, and then be able to come back and help you make it better based on what they say, or at least give you feedback that you can use as a way to overcome objections at the point of sale when people say, oh, this is, you know, this, that, or the other, which I don't know because I haven't used it. Right. right? So for me, it, it's, it's not gonna, it doesn't fit into what I do per se. Um, it would fit into what Raphael does, you know, on the personal mm -hmm. line side, but that would also require us having the ability to actually write something in Florida right now and have carriers to allow us to do that. Yep. We actually just we actually just shut off all of our personal lines advertising. I mean, I've thrown thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars in since the first of the year to generate uh, inbound marketing. That and, you can't do anything you know, with. We, yeah, we use local traffic marketing. Chris Langill, who does our website, and does he just does an awesome job of generating the leads. But... I told him, I'm like, listen, I told him and Nate Bunty on the call this week. I'm like, fellas, you know, we need to take these ad dollars and deploy them to something in the commercial arena at this point because um, not going to happen. So we put it, we're pumping it into Florida Fitness Insurance, Florida Veterinary Insurance, and Florida Child Care Insurance because those are three target verticals coming out of COVID that I think are going to thrive once again. Um, mm -hmm. You know, as the daycares you know start growing again, it's going to be more important for them to be able to be covered and all of that. But, yep. You know, all that, all that to say, you know, I, I do like what you're doing with the beta group. And I mean, how many, how many people do you have in beta right now? Uh, we're sitting at about, um, we're on working on onboarding, uh, four agencies at the moment. Okay, yep. cool deal. So you're looking for a total of how many? Uh, we, I probably want that number to be 10 to 15 agencies. Um, I was a little aggressive with my announcement post that you've read, you've referenced. Um, but I think 10 to 15 yeah, would be it, the part. Wasn't it like a hundred? No, uh, I think it was 50 and then I quickly uh, edited that post down to 25. Um, but I think 10 to 15 is the sweet spot um, just because of um, 
I want to be super engaged with those those beta users because they are trusting us um, before anyone else. And uh, I want to be able to actually take their feedback and do uh, focus on that instead of just putting it on a list of things that we may or may not get to. Um, but mm-hmm. one thing that just giving a shout out to both agency zoom and better agency. And even, uh, I know now search does this as well. Um, but the, one of the things that we we're going to adopt that they're doing is the, uh, user Facebook groups. And I think, oh, yeah. I think those, those are fantastic. And we're doing those for two reasons. One, because we want them to have direct access to myself, my business partner, um, and our support team. Uh, but then two, um, we want, uh, to them to be extremely free, uh, extremely open to post any and all ideas that they can think of. Because, um, if they, if they think it's going to be a great fit, um, and something that can help their agency, we want to uh, know about it as soon as possible and try to implement it for them in a way that makes sense for risk advisor, but then also, uh, their agency and other agencies. So, um, we're excited about that. We're excited, um, to, uh, copy those ideas from those successful companies. You need to get James Jenkins in there. There's a guy that's not afraid to give feedback in a Facebook user. Absolutely. Group. I can't. <laughs> he, uh, and I'm sure he's listening to this and he knows, he knows I'm kidding, obviously, but um, in, in all seriousness, he, he is somebody that I would probably reach out to for your beta because he will give you the feedback, good, bad, or otherwise. Um, but, you know, I think it's wise that you keep it down to a certain number of people. And, you know, for those of you listening, if, you, if you're looking at a way to streamline your operations and actually help train your staff on the right way to do things amongst other stuff, you know, there's a limited number of spots, people. You know, don't don't sit there waiting. I mean, it's not gonna. It's not like we're asking you to put ten thousand dollars into invest in the in the product to be in the beta group. We, you know, this is a good chance to get in on the ground floor of something and make a difference and have your fingerprints on how a product is shaped. It has the potential of changing the way business is done in the industry. And because you're limiting the number of people, I'm assuming that you have a defined demographic or an agency profile that makes sense for you. You know, is who's going to be the most successful, you know, with your product, why don't you talk a little bit about, um, you know, what size and shape of agency you're looking for? Because the last thing you want to do is have somebody that's really eager to get in and then it's an absolute bust because it wasn't going to be your target market to begin with. Yeah. So, um, real quick, I want to make sure that, uh, I reference what you just mentioned. Um, one of the great things about this is, whether you're a producer who's been doing writing business for 10 years or someone that um, an agency just hired and is trying to teach their, their ways. That's one of the great things about how we've built this product. Um, the questions are, uh, positioned to the producer as they're filling out this, uh, these applications, uh, to where all they have to do is just literally, uh, say them verbatim to the client. Um, so that way it can literally guide them, guide them through the process of, uh, collecting that detailed information that is is important, and um, if you an- depending on how you answer those questions, it's going to present follow up questions. So that way, yes, it's important to know what you're talking about, but also it's going to constantly remind you of exactly where you are in that conversation, the information that you need to get. Um, to to answer your question though, uh, from day one, our system is built for agencies similar to Mapis, and what that is is those who um, who work with personal lines, um, wholesale brokers who work with, um, either they have a virtual assistant doing their data entry, or they have someone in their office doing data entry. Um, and then 
also um, uh, direct underwriters who, whether it's your high net worth or whoever it might be, because the, what one of the great things that we've built from day one with this is as soon as you hit submit or save and send is what we've titled it. Um, it's if you have a marble box or a VA selected, um, if you have on our, uh, our agency, we use nine wholesale brokers, uh, for the personal line side. So if I select all, all of those, um, select marble box, do, uh, our, our raiders and our carriers that have a website login, um, it's sending 10 emails all at once. And along with that email is specific instructions, especially for marble box and VAs where you have to be quite literal with everything that you want them to do. Um, we've got the templates built out to where it's going to tell them exactly what that, what exactly we need them to do, um, which carriers to go to and look at the PDFs that are attached with, and it'll have every single piece of information that you've requested. Um, then on top of that, uh, those wholesale brokers, one of the, uh, one of the main things that they always ask, whether it's personal lines or commercial lines, is they they prefer that you not sending it, send it out to uh, a bunch of different wholesale brokers, um, but then all of them have their their uh, special markets and things like that. But then the the two questions they're always asking is um, uh, uh, target premium, and then if you have any specific instructions. So we've got that built into the system as well that you can put in the target premium for the account. And, um, if you need to, uh, label any specific instructions and it's going to send a separate email to any of the wholesale brokers that are attached to that. Um, so that way they have, a um, uh, a unique experience in that. Cool deal. What about size? Any, I mean, does size, does size matter, <laughs> David? <laughs> so Kyle knew it was coming for, so our beta, our beta group, um, the, we're, the pricing is $99 a month. And the reason I bring that up is because um, the way that we currently have our pricing formatted is that $99 a month would get you three users. But with that being said, with our beta group, it does not matter how many users you have. Um, so if like our first beta group was Vonda Copeland um, with uh, Copeland Insurance out in Kansas. And um, she's got 22 users, I think. And so she's getting a great deal because she's trusting us from the get-go where uh, if it would have been close to $300 under our uh, normal pricing once we launch. She's getting that for $99 and I'm locking her into that because I, as a thank you. And that's the same thing for any of our beta group where um, no matter how many users you're getting uh, or you need, you're getting locked into that $99 um, as a thank you. So when it comes to the size of the agency, um, it, it probably makes the most sense more so to look at, hey, are you using a specific person for your data entry? And normally producers on the sales staff, it's usually um, at least three or four is what I've seen where they start using somebody else for their data entry, um, whether that be a marble box, uh, agency VA, or um, someone inside their office. Because if you have your producer just take all the information and they're all going into a, a raider or the carrier websites themselves, um, then you're, you're losing out on one of the core features of being able to automatically send that to a set person every single time. Um, and then on top of that, it's also important um, to get from day one uh, to have those uh, agencies who are using those personal lines wholesale brokers to, again, see that, that really nice feature of not having to worry about sending 15, 10 to 15 emails separately and remembering, oh, did I send it to this broker? Let me go look at my send email to see if it actually sent out. 
Um, so the size of the agency is not really a huge deal for us. Um, it's more so being able to test those features of sending it to a data entry person and uh, personalized wholesale brokers. So I'm hearing some some actual gold nuggets in what you just said, man, because I think one of the things... so. Again, I'm a very cynical person about shiny objects and everything else. And to me, you know, a year or two ago, and it's extended out into the right now, the flavor of the month or the flavor of the year, or the flavor of the decade was VAs. Like if you wanted to be in the cool kids club, you had to have VAs. And, you know, it's just like everything else. It became bragging rights. Well, I use 10 yep. VAs in my agency. I mean, you know, and, and all of that. But I think that one of the problems is when you use virtual assistants or when you attempt to use virtual assistants is you don't have processes and procedures in place on yep. the front end, right? And I think that agencies get frustrated because they go to a VA company and they expect this person to come and be able to be plugged into their agency because they're quote unquote trained on the systems. And yet the VA company may have them trained on the basics of systems, but they don't have them trained in the way that that agency uses those systems, right? Mm -hmm. And you expect somebody to come in and fit into your culture and do things the way you do them right out of the box. That's like a, an epic failure waiting yep. to happen, right? Everybody loses in that situation. And so, you know, for my friends that are in the VA industry, I've had this conversation. I tell them, you know, you, you guys suck at educating people as to what they should expect when they bring a VA on. And you you suck at educating them on what they should have in place before they bring a VA on. And we've talked about it a bunch on the podcast. We brought our first VA on this year specifically to set appointments. But before he ever started, we built out all of the workflows inside the CRM. We recorded all of the workflows inside the CRM. We recorded the videos on the basic Outlook tasks we wanted to have him do. And so when he came in, I was under the understanding that it was going to be two or three weeks at a bare minimum of him just going through the training videos that we had created for him. Now, a lot of agencies are going to say, well, I don't have time to do it. Well, guess what? Do you have time to train five different people on the same crap because you yep. have turnover issues and you haven't documented your processes? I spent the time to do it right one time and I never have to do it again. And so what I heard you say is this is what I interpreted. And you tell me in, in look, I'm not going to feel bad if I'm if I'm wrong and, and you tell me I'm wrong on my own show. Sounds so good. it's not a problem. But, you know, what I see, number one, I think if you're a producer, you should be a producer. You should be selling. You should be closing the deal. You shouldn't be screwing around with quoting. You shouldn't be screwing around with data entry. You know, we use video quotes 100% of the time yep. on the personal line stuff in our agency and most of the time on the commercial. And I want my producer to be the one that records that video, gets everything formatted, puts in it through Neoteric Agent the way that we present. We use that software for the personal line stuff and make sure that every Everything is on point and then doing the follow up with the client until the deal is completely done from cradle to grave. We don't have enough velocity right now for me to justify having a position. And we talked about why. We just don't have the markets. We shut the advertising off. But in a normal world, what I would see happening is 
a virtual assistant being able to use that form to uptake the data and all they're doing is their intake they're taking they're 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 getting all of the information preparing the submission sending it off to market and then when those quotes come back that becomes the handoff to the producer and the producer's actually spending the time on the revenue bearing activity but because you're using virtual assistants to do this your labor cost is a fraction of what it would be because we can't find help right now Look, I took my son to Dave and Buster's last night, and everybody that was around us was complaining yep. about the service in the restaurant, right? I wasn't. I just finally – I'd had enough, man. I mean, I, I'm – I don't tolerate people that have never I don't tolerate people that that have a self-entitlement number one and that that don't you know I come from retail and grocery so I, I understand what the labor market is normally I finally got up and I went to the guy at the table next to me I'm like hey by the way the guy that's here working tonight's the one who's not good at math because if he did the math it'd be yeah. cheaper for him to stay at home and get paid by the government to not work so the only reason you're able to get any level of service in here tonight is because this guy probably didn't get through high school and that's who yeah, the labor pool right. is right now right? And so you need to go in with those expectations. So all that being said is I think that if you take a producer and you have them doing that VA related work, it's a waste of your time because you're taking your top selling talent and you're putting them in data entry. Number one, number two, your top selling talent really doesn't want to do data entry. They hate that part of the job. If they wanted to do data entry, they'd be a data entry person, not a producer. But the third piece of it is, and where I really think that the, the, that the glue that holds this whole thing together is I've seen your product. I've demoed your product. I've, I've seen how it goes through, and I've seen the mechanisms and the fail-safes that are in place that make sure that that information is complete and accurate before it goes to the carrier. So someone could create a, a training video or a couple of training videos around that. And this may even be something that you guys do as risk advisor for part of the value prop at the point of sale as, you know, here's our six, here's our six video series on how a VA should be using our product. And then you just give that to the agency when they come on board so that they can in turn give it to the, the virtual assistant that they're using. But you train the VA on how to do it and they're going to go through and that form is going to be exactly where it needs to be every time. And in fact, in many cases, the submissions I would imagine almost every case that submission is going to be more complete in its entirety than what it would be if a producer was just doing it on the fly because they have 15 other things going on. So not only do you pick up mm -hmm. profitability in the operational end of your business, but you're allowing your producers to spend more time on revenue bearing activities and going out and making it rain and everybody wins. Yeah, what did no, I miss? You saw the other night where uh, you made reference to it earlier where we were up late uh working on it and what we were working on there was the pdfs and the something that because of the way that we do it in our end uh our agency but i know so many agencies do this something that was so extremely important to us even for our mvp was um making it extremely clear for the vas the data entry person wholesale brokers what to do with the information that we give them because it's all conditional um if the only things that show up on that pdf are things that are uh, that are important to that risk. So, which is extremely important for someone like a VA to where they only need to know what is important. They don't need to be overwhelmed with all this uh, additional information. Even even if a question is not answered, so if question's not answered, if it's not um, important to that risk, we don't put it on the PDF. We only put it on there if it's important and if it's answered. Um, so 
a lot of times when we first started with this on the uh, lo- our our prototype, the VAs were getting, hey, why is this not answered? The carrier asked this question. You have this question, but it's not answered. What do I do with this? So what we've done is just re- remove that, and it's it, it's just going to basically make it extremely easy for them to have. Hey, here's the information you need. Here's instructions on who to put it with instructions on which radar to use, which carriers to select inside the radar, which uh, carrier websites to go to, how to send it back to me. If you have questions, we have it set up. We use Slack and have our uh, Marblebox VA on Slack. So if you have questions, Slack this specific producer and ask them the questions, return it by this date at this time. This is when we need the quote back. And um, you're exactly right. It, it is a set process and that is so important in the VA world. Hundred percent, man. Well, listen. Anything we missed that you want to bring up before we wrap up? So the only thing that uh, we really didn't get into is um, what originally started out as a back uh, a back burner idea was how how we use this for the service team. So um, what we've done is you submit all this information. The producer is the one that has the relationship with the client. The producer is the one that knows about the important underwriting information. Um, just think like a, a pool that may or may not be fenced. If there's a specific type of dog that might be on a carrier's um, animal liability list, so on and so on. Those important underwriting pieces of information that may in the past, if you're writing information down or if you're um, putting it in a note in your CRM or agency management system, um, that may or may not be answered um, on the get, first go around, but the producer knows that because they're the one that's been on the phone with the, the the client. What we've done on the renewal side is the once you've used the the system and put a submission through the first time, all you have to do as an account manager or service staff is you ha- you just go into the system, search for that prior submission, pull it up. And it's going to go ahead and pre-fill the form with every piece of information that was put in it the first time around. So all the service staff has to nice. do is, oh, they've got a new roof. Let's update it with the, the roof update year. Oh, I see that they have a pool and it's unfenced. Let me not go to that carrier that is not going to be okay with it. Um, or, hey, they've got a dog, same thing. Um, or we need to add a, a new driver and a new vehicle because that's what's changed this go around. So we, we estimate about a 15 minute savings through the whole sales process on the new business side with this being available on the servicing side where everything's already pre-filled and ready to go. They just have to tell uh, select which carriers they want to go to again. It's going to save at least double that on the service side, which no matter if you're in Florida, South Carolina works, uh, we're, uh, it's become normal for 15 to 20% rate increases, which I know you're probably going to laugh about that, David, um, in the Florida side, but, uh, the remarketing is something that's happening more and more. So one of the things I'm most excited about this, uh, this, uh, system with risk advisor is how much it's going to help the service staff and how much it's going to set them up for success to be able to handle more business and because it's done more efficiently, which I know my uh, fellow agency owners is going to, are going to love hearing because if they can handle more business um, without you having to hire on additional staff members, it's going to make you more profitable and uh, more money in the long run as well. So that's the only thing that we really didn't dive into, but that is definitely a key characteristic of this system. 
Good deal. Well, listen, you got to tell them where to find you, man. You're only taking a few more agencies in that beta. And I know that the ones that are smart enough to listen to this podcast are exactly who you're looking for. So absolutely, tell them how to find you and how they can get set up for a demo and all of that good stuff. Yeah. So um, we're online at uh, riskadvisor.insure. Um, you can uh, contact me directly. I'm very active on uh, LinkedIn and uh, Facebook. Um, i uh, make myself really easy to find on those. Uh, but you can feel free to email me at david at riskadvisor.insure, or you can feel free to shoot me a text or give me a call on my cell phone. It's 803-807-8999. Awesome. Good deal, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on and sharing everything you're doing with our audience. I hope that it bears fruit for you because I think that your product is going to make a difference for those agencies that are really interested in increasing profitability and sales and all of the stuff they should be doing. But I mean, if they want to maintain the status quo, don't waste David's time talking to him. He's only interested if you want to move the needle. So uh, appreciate you coming on, brother. Hope you have a good week and we will catch you soon. Cool. Thank you. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com. <laughs> <laughs>